Hi everyone. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that you can now support Crisis Twink with a small monthly donation to help support future episodes and operating costs. There's absolutely no pressure to do this. Culture Pig and Crisis Twink will always be free, but any and all donations are highly appreciated. If you go to the show notes in whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, there should be a link marked listener support, and you can choose to contribute however much you want in just an easy monthly donation. So if that is something that you want to do, which you know, I mean, very chic look for you to do that. Very sexy, very cool to be financially generous. Come on, sugar daddy. Yes. Yes, God. Hunty slunty sleigh, I say. Um, it would be really nice if you did it. So, And it is very unhinged to be doing this. And everything I just said for the past like 10 seconds is so unhinged. But uh, yeah, absolutely try doing a donation if you can. Thanks. And on with the show. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. It's a historic day for the pod. Um, fan favorite, three-time guest, political commentator, TV writer, Tyler Danucci is back, and he's laughing already. I'm laughing. I'm just, I'm just happy to be back, bro. It's been a, I would say it's been a long time coming, but I'm pretty sure you were just here, like, five months ago (laughs) so it's you know i mean that is a long time in the grand scheme of things but um how you been what's what's grinding your gears um you know i've been good i um currently what's grinding my gears is a shortage of um quarters that's still going on in the country um i when i moved into the building that i that i live in right now i was told that the laundry didn't need quarters and that was one of the biggest reasons i moved in honestly there were other reasons but that was a huge one mm-hmm. uh and then two weeks after i moved in the non-quartered system fell apart and they decided not to use it so i'm still have i still have quarters i still need quarters for laundry and there's a shortage right now and the ba- the closest bank that I can walk to has now closed. So your move, Biden. Your move, Joe Biden. This has been this has been an absolute crisis for me. Yeah, um, no, I can imagine. Like we're so my building also is on the quarterless system, but our like card readers never work. So like, there's only one washing machine and like two dryers available at any given time, which is like you have a mess, 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 mess mess so anyways i just did and i couldn't get quarters this weekend because one none of the banks were open on banks close to me were open on saturdays which i think is because of covid and probably like staffing shortages and then obviously no one was open yesterday so um i I, you have just been rotting in your own filth for three days now i have been finding the strangest pieces of clothing that are just in the bottom of my dresser that i can wear (laughs) um and it's truly like I, i I did not leave my really live my apartment yesterday because I was too embarrassed to. Oh, that was me last week. So I mean, a little teaser for what we're talking about later. But I was also bottom of the barrel for laundry, and I found a piece of Blair St. Clair merch um, that I did not buy myself, mind you. Like it was a, a gift from Blair herself, and I have never worn it out in public because it is like with love to the community it it's really gay looking like it's it is it is a target on my back and usually I'm okay with that but it's just it's a little too like ornate you know or a little zesty a a little too a little too um affected perhaps surely yes (laughs) um especially for the the kind folks over at Whole Foods 
So, but I, I like didn't have an option because I was out of hoodies and it was my only long sleeve left. And I can't go out in 15 degree weather without, without it. And it, it felt like a concession in a way that I was not happy about. All I had left yesterday, and if Steve, if you're listening, um, thank you for this. All I had left yesterday was a joke t-shirt that I had bought at one point that said, um, if this flag offends you, move. And it's a picture <laughs> of a vaccine card, mm-hmm. um, which I bought as a joke. Yeah. Um, and it was truly, like, I've never actually worn it. And <laughs> the first time I actually had to wear it was yesterday because it was, it was technically clean. I love that. That is like the iconic piece of like smooth brain resistance Twitter merch like I'm a, I want I'll take 20 I'll take like, 20 right? like when I bought it I was like oh this is so funny and but like wearing ironic clothing isn't really like my brand so I bought no. it and I was like oh okay hmm. well it's so like I mean we've talked on this pod before about how like 2012 is coming back and I feel like ironic t-shirt culture is definitely like super 2012 like that American apparel like legalized gay shirt and like I was thinking about I was thinking about the legalized LA shirts this weekend oh yeah um, because and like how like but yeah like the those like legalized gay shirts um yeah I feel like that is coming back yeah I, I guess we're fine with it. Like what is, statements are everywhere. <laughs> is that, is that a fun observation? But like they are. And Avery Drew Haskins statements are everywhere. State, they are. I, are. Like, they are, they're out there. And I don't think it's necessarily a good thing, but anyway, let's move on to basically statements, the game. We're going to play go call the governor. I am going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history, and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. So there are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. So we're going to play. All right, let's go. All right. You sort of knew this one was coming, I think, but people are not talking about the new Fox's music. Does the governor need to be called? Yes. Yes, we do need to call the governor about Fox's new album and Fox's last EP. Okay, if yep. you don't know who Fox is, uh, she is a she is a British singer. She looks like the third D Chanel. Yes, um, absolutely. She, like she is, she is the third D, the lost D Chanel sister that got like shipped off to England. Her name is Louisa Allen. Um, her real name is Louisa Allen. She is so far. Like, I, I really like, I've always liked Fox. She did, so yeah. you probably have heard of her from Clarity, which was the Zed song that she was on. Um, and up until her, she hasn't released an album or music since 2016. And up until now, everything she's released has been like 90% of the way there. Mm-hmm. Like there's always something about it, like at least her big singles that haven't quite hit me the like perfectly, um, but they're always really, really good. Um, she had this song called Youth, which yeah, I really yeah, like probably to me like her up until now her cleanest song, and it's kind of like because it was a mix of like that um that like you get you have like Maggie Rod you have like a bit of a Maggie Rogers sound like with like singer singer songwriter a little like folky and then you have a bit of a church's sound with this like electropop kind of uh, like and that you kind of synthesize those things together and you sort of get foxes yeah but up until now everything and she stopped releasing music for a while and I yeah she she so disclaimer I used to work for her former record label and she got dropped after that 2016 album for like the reasons people get dropped from labels and she just hadn't released music so she released an EP last year called Friends in the Corner which is great it's yeah, far none her best piece of yeah, like her 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 best piece her best album. Even though it's not an album, it's an EP. Um, like just really well produced, really well written, like really fun songs. Some really good kind of like nostalgic song, like uh, like themed songs too, which I thought worked really well. And she's releasing a new album on February in February, so next month. Yeah, and she's basically been doing a bunch of promo singles since then, and. I'd say almost all of them have hit so far. Like yeah. not and hit in a way of like 
better than the stuff that she had been putting out previously. I think three out of the four of them are close to 10 out of 10 perfect pop songs. Um, Especially the most recent one, Absolute, which just, I think came out last, yeah, last week. Um, Absolutely fantastic. Like run, don't walk to go listen. She has this other one called, uh, she has this one called Sister Ray, which I'm obsessed with. Yeah, obsessed. It's so good. Um, and she has this other, and there's one more called that's I, I, um, Oh, Sky Love. Sky Love, which I think is great too. Yeah. That's fantastic um, too. Like that. I, um, I was on a little road trip this weekend and that song came on in the car like four or five times. And I just had to let it play like each time it's too good. Um, well, I think, I think gays, girlies, allies, like let's get involved. Yeah. Boxes. Like there we have to hold space in our hearts for former flops who are making a deserved comeback with actual quality music like and i was and i was reading about like her thought process on the album and one of the things she wrote it during quarantine and one of the things she wanted to capture was the feeling of like being in the club like being yeah like and you really like these are these are these a DJ only needs to give them the lightest of touches. And there's been a few really good remixes yeah. of them. But like, these are club ready songs. And for an independent artist, like they all sound so like expensive, like big budget to like it. I, I think, I fear that we're in for like a future nostalgia level serve once the entire album drops. I hope so. I also hope she puts some of those, um, some of the songs from the EP on the album. Um, oh yeah. Because I think like like the titular Friends in the Corner is such a good song and it's such a good road trip song. It's such a good like song about kind of like in a way of like what means to being like your early 30s, getting older and thinking yeah. about friendship. Um, and it's just a different vibe for her that I think shows her skills in a way that she hasn't done yet. In the same way that I think youth did earlier for her very successfully um yeah so run don't walk to 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 your your streams yeah like there it's still a new year for pop music like there haven't been a lot of big budget releases yet besides the weekends like take some time like there are there are three and a half really good songs out of the four that you should be listening to off of that and like the whole thing drops in two weeks so like go 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 and that's honestly better than most albums anyway oh yeah <laughs> three good songs in an album like to me is like oh like yeah like that's great especially on a mainstream pop release too like i was reading over like people were relitigating witness again for like the umpteenth time this past like this past month because of the Katy Perry Vegas residency. And I'm like, okay, like sure. Like you can say justice for witness all you want, but like you actually listen to that album and there are maybe, maybe four good songs out of 13, which is like perfectly fine. And her old stuff isn't, doesn't have like a crank ratio either. So like. I was actually surprised at how poor her ratio in previous albums was because in my mind they all sort of blended together yeah um, and I like to me I I had said for a while that Teenage Dream is such a perfect perfect album and then for some like a year ago I went to go look at the actual track list on Teenage Dream and one I completely thought some songs that were on Teenage Dream were not on Teenage no. Dream and also there's some bad songs on Teenage Dream. There are some absolutely horrible songs on Teenage Dream. It's just the hits from that album are so iconic and great, but there are that's only like half the album out right. of like it's a 12 song album and six of them were lead singles. Yeah. Five right. of those six went number 1. That's an insane ratio that literally has not been done since. And like barely before, like she and Michael Jackson are the only two people I believe who have gotten five number ones from one album. Like stuff like Pearl and like, who am I living for? Like, you're not listening to that, like with any consistency, you know? Absolutely not. But but yeah, give foxes your love. That's what I say about that. She deserves it and she needs it. Um, Okay, speaking of people who also need love, Bella Hadid reveals that it's been really hard to not live without a stylist for the past two years. And that second half of that was a direct quote. 
Oh, uh, yeah, we're calling the governor. Okay. We, we are calling the governor. Mm-hmm. I Okay, I understand that the Hadid's brand is that they're not in the they don't live in the same world as us and that's one of the reasons there's like a there is a little bit of a um uh uh like um what's the what's the like it, well it's an alien quality like they especially bella like she's allegedly 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 like completely had a skull transplant to like look more alien and buffed and like they don't want to be from this planet and it's a little bit of a like there is like a fantasy that you you go along with when it comes to the Hadids because they're living a, in a completely different universe of uh, that you will never be a part of, yeah. and it's like and that that's great. However, I think you can never express your frustrations with like your amenities that you don't have like in that way. Like you know, yeah, it's like shut up. Like it's it's one of those things where it's like I you just don't like I wouldn't say that out loud, um, even if I were her. No, like there is something like a, a slightly appealingly tone deaf about it that I find funny. Like it's it's tone deaf in a way that's not actively hurting people or whatever. Which like you need to have delusional celebrities. It's it's one of it's the grist that keeps the mill going, you know. But. <laughs> yeah. This w- this made me laugh because like it's a bold faced lie too. Like she's been to public events and has been styling herself or has not been styling herself during that. Like, like also, like, what is she getting out of that lie? That's what like I also don't understand. Well, she like, really- she's allegedly a liar who lies about a lot of things. Like she she's denied a lot of of things as as on on the aesthetic side. Let's say throughout time and memoriam that she is just absolutely allegedly lying about so this is just another lie allegedly in her her lies her quivers of lies mm-hmm. <laughs> um okay do not I'm... sue me Bella <laughs> don't please don't sue for defamation uh this is just a pop culture podcast yeah um no but i like i I'm a, I'm here for celebrities like telling lies and like being unrelatable though, but like this is so easy to like get caught in because we have photographic evidence and like credit evidence that you're like lying to us. I do think there is a value, and this is going to sound psychotic to say out loud, so please like bear with me for a second. Mm-hmm. There is a value to some celebrities being unrelatable. I think every celebrity. But I think there are, I think our culture needs a few celebrities, like, the, like, like Mariah, for yeah. instance, who just said, just as like a, a, like a, just a, as a, like a type, like a, like a type, like a typecast here. Um, like that just are unrelatable because that yeah. sort of funny, you know, um, but you can cross over into the Imagine, the, uh, the Imagine song, um, like worlds. Yeah. Be careful. Where... It's- it's that yeah no like if your entire identity is predicated on being unattainable like but somehow still like goals and like living a lifestyle that like you just can't like the the lay person cannot channel doing stuff that appeals to like the quote-unquote common man it's it's hypocritical and it's cynical like i i mean talk to go back to mariah's mortal enemy jennifer lopez i remember her doing that like love don't cost a thing challenge or whatever on tiktok which was just her like wearing a hoodie and taking off the hoodie and putting it on the beach to say like oh like you can look good in anything but it's like babe you are on your private beach (laughs) on like that rich person island in miami so like have you ever seen a video of jayla walking by that walking by her childhood home <laughs> Boy, have I. Um, that it's devastating to watch. It's, it's that guy just like does not give a shit about less who Jennifer Lopez is. It's so good. Oh my, I love JLo so much. I actually saw The Boy Next Door in theaters. Oh, wow. Um, I want you to know how much I love Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, that video, I think, was perfect, though, like 10 out of 10, no nuts. Um, but yes, we are calling um, the governor on 
uh, Bella Hadid. Absolutely perfect. Okay, heavier note. Uh, Vulture's Joss Whedon profile. Does the governor need to be called? Yeah. Okay. So um, for those who have not seen, Vulture yesterday, Monday, January 17th, published a an interview that Joss Whedon essentially requested about his like post-controversy um, life, which we've talked about on this podcast in an early, early, early episode with friend of the pod, John McDonough. So go back and listen to that. But um, yeah, the profile was, I don't know what he was thinking here. It definitely, it definitely is the case of, of, of doing an interview with someone. Like there is value to giving someone a shovel um, and letting and and then an interview interview can sometimes let the subject dig their own grave. Um, I I have very not complicated feelings about this. I do try not to talk negatively about um, other. Yeah. No. 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 And so I I totally um, understand that. I, I I think this is one of those things where um, it really hurts for me to read because. Buffy and Angel were such, and I, I think yep. for like gay men of a certain age, and honestly women and like oh and yeah, great allies too. Like Buffy and Angel were particularly important to me growing up. Um, this is not a this is not fun. The fall of Joss Whedon for me is not a no not a fun thing. Um, it it is really distressing because like I think the concept of people having quote unquote parasocial relationships with television shows especially in like just like sci-fi and fantasy media in general that discourse has gotten crazy and ever prevalent over the past few years but Buffy and Angel were definitely the blueprints for how a lot of people started interacting and interpreting their favorite like media in that space and like I, I I've it people are just it is a bummer as someone who also really loved Buffy and Angel like I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back and like really enjoy it the same I I like, won't like I like so let me let me just clear up some things I, I just said just because I think yeah Drew may have a shorthand that that people that are listening to this might not have um I always so I always tell people especially uh like new television writers um don't use social media to to talk shit about other um about uh shows you don't like but also people you've worked with um because i've seen way too many people get in get in trouble by being very great by being very brash on twitter when you're 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 you sort of you see them shit talking shows that like a friend, like you're up for a job, and a friend works yeah. on a show that you know. A friend was like the sh- the the showrunner is a friend of the person who on Twitter you decided to say the show was bad, right? Um, so I reflexively try to avoid that, even if I agree. In which maybe that's cowardly in some sense, especially here. Um, and I think I feel a little comfortable here just because, given the subject matter, um, it is really horrifying to read. Especially, I, I think to me, the part of it that was really hard to read was um, the bit about, there's been the Vulture article about the um, the way that he treated one of the writers in Firefly on um, their dialogue, yeah. which is my nightmare. Um, and it basically making fun of someone's dialogue about how bad of a writer they are in front of everyone else, um, which is just horrifying. It's bullying behavior. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty clear from this article that he's not going to work right. again within the mainstream here. Um, the The part of the article that really made me kind of almost sick was him talking about Zack Snyder dropping out of Justice League, which I have not seen. I cannot speak to the quality of either movie. But like he is Zack Snyder, who was originally supposed to direct Justice League, dropped out because his daughter committed suicide two months before shooting was scheduled to start or something like that. And Joss basically blames like a lot of the current like uprising against him and like the the chatter about him on Zack Snyder specifically as like revenge for gang like 
removed from the project when when it was like very clearly like a voluntary decision um i don't I, know I do, you know i do like there it is it, it's i there is also this thing sometimes where i'm gonna bullies don't always seem like who you think who, who you traditionally think about them as too right. um i think having worked in entertainment for a while um sometimes the biggest bullies are people who like this is i think i think i get what you're saying let, let, like, let me let me let me try to let me let me let me let me try to like yeah. collect my thoughts and then say this that uh, when you're in high school like you, the traditional idea of the bully or someone who's just like a complete raging asshole is often like the jock type, which is de definitely true and definitely like not a, definitely not an untrue stereotype. But that doesn't mean that people who are, um, who like sci-fi and fantasy and who are nerds and uh, aren't necessarily awful people as well. Um, and I think what something I've learned is that when some of those people do have a lot of power, um, they can do really terrible things with it. And that yeah. just because someone and just because someone seems like they're like, oh, you like the same nerdy shit that I do doesn't mean that they're a good person and doesn't mean they're not capable of doing really monstrous things. Um, yeah, I, I think I was talking about this with some friends over the weekend too. Like, especially online, it's very, it's easier than ever to find community and solidarity with people with like-minded interests. Right. And because a lot of the times the, that drive for community is coming from a place of alienation in other parts of your life, you mistake community and alienation for like acceptance or even like a safe space. Like there are a lot of bad actors within all of these sort of, what I'm gonna refer to as like culturally marginalized communities. Yeah, that's a, that's a good That word. it's not, yeah, I mean, it's like cliche to say like, it's not all black and white, but like there are a lot of, um, like once, once you're there, you're not necessarily home. And this also like underscores how a lot of we every every show is its own business right mm -hmm. every show is its own has its own budget has its investors which is the studio and the sort of the network that are invested in sort of your product right um and every showrunner is a ceo of their company right um one of the biggest differences that we have in entertainment and television versus other, and e even on movies and um, and like normal businesses, is that you can become a you can become a showrunner without ever having managed a human being before. Yeah, and so and in Whedon's case, he did right, and you're yeah. suddenly in charge of like a multi-million-dollar company, right? And I don't think everyone is necessarily that is not a skill set that. Just because you're a good writer doesn't mean you're a good manager of people. Yeah. Just because you're a good same way, it's just because you're a good manager of people doesn't mean that you're a good writer. Um, oftentimes it feels like just because someone is a good writer that they get can get away with really poor management, um, which I think is what happened with Josh. Yeah. He got, away, he, he got he got away with a lot of shit that like under normal circumstances, no one should have been able to get away no. with. I mean, and that, that goes for a lot of like industries too. Like I was reading some um, profile about Hanya Yanagihara who wrote A Little Life and has that new book that's out right now. And she, after writing A Little Life seven years ago, which was a ginormous hit, cannot talk about the artistic quality of that book on this particular episode because we do not have time. Um, she wrote for some New York Times style magazine offshoot, I believe, and apparently was like a terrible boss because she'd never managed people before. Like she'd never, she was a successful writer in another discipline who basically was like just given this like vanity project and was horrible at it. Like there and needs to be, like hierarchies are stupid in some ways, but like you do need to kind of like learn the ropes of how to be a people manager by like, and yeah, existing and like, in that system. And I don't think that's necessarily like 
uh, uh, for writers, it's not necessarily, I think, a, a natural skill set for a mm -hmm. lot of people to like be a CEO, right? Like that, those are not, those are not generally like most of the personality traits I've met, met from, from like coworkers and, and the like aren't necessarily the type of skills that would naturally transfer to being a, a manager of hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, that is the job. Yeah. And he fails spectacularly at that job. Um, I, I, it is really sad to read. Like, I think that it's, it's only, it's sad because of what he did. And it's sad because I, the art that he made that was really, and this is not, this is not the most, the, the, the saddest thing he did is what he did to be clear. Yeah. But I also, there's a part of me that's also upset that he's ruined really transformative television, important television yeah. for me because of who he is. No, you can definitely say that. Like, especially when the work he's done is such a foundational part of the modern day, like sci-fi and fantasy canon. Like, I think you can make an extremely strong argument that the Marvel Cinematic Universe would not be what it is without a smidgen of Joss Whedon's like, well, kind I of mean, creative vision. At the same time, like, I don't think Avengers, like Avengers, we, we take for granted, I think, what Avengers is now. Yeah. Um, the idea that you're going to make how, however many, I can't exact number. Of I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of fell off at a certain point, but those um, early ones I watched pretty religiously. But to, bring, to bring all of those characters together who are all of the number one on the call sheet in their own movie to create like a synthesized storyline that you follow. And certainly some of the, this is Marvel as well. It's not Josh. Yeah. Who just did this? That's a her, her, like her, Herculean task. Like, yeah, we're still. I I didn't particularly care for Hawkeye. Um, I um, when I was watching Hawkeye, there still was a flashback to the Battle of New York in Hawkeye. Yeah. Like you were still dealing with things from that movie that were so important in that film. Yeah. Today, when it comes to the MCU, it was. I, I don't think you can discount how important it was. It just means that. He was a really shitty guy yeah. and that sucks. And obviously there are like larger conversations to be had about separating the art from the artist, yada, yada, yada. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to watch a show that is touted for its like progressive bona fides and like what it did for like women and like other marginalized communities within this genre and not separate it a little bit from like the man who like, purported to be all these things to people and then like ultimately failed the communities he was like trying to uplift quote quotes you know yeah I think I think it wouldn't be as bad if he wasn't if he didn't self-brand himself as like this progressive feminist yeah. you know um because that's why I like to me like I, even though I was just talking about how important Avengers was that is like I could still probably watch Avengers I think watching Buffy or Angel would be really really difficult that would be hard yeah Okay, well, I think we should go on to something a little bit more uplifting, actually. Um, <laughs> and I'm now reading my copy, A Cultural Emergency, which is more uplifting today than that name sounds. So Tyler, what are you rushing into ER today? What is more Horrible uplifting? Horrible intro. <laughs> Maddie Morphosis discourse. No, um, I... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> my window is open and I'm gonna like just repel <laughs> I, I, I finally got through um I I do drag race has just begun it is, it is the gay new year drag, yeah. drag race a new season of drag race started that's what we sell that that's the start of the of, of the gay new year um I am rushing to the ER to talk about season 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race but not just season 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race also the ubiquity of the Drag Race franchise. Yeah, um, it is overwhelming right now because like, I thought we were in the clear. I thought that we were just getting season 14 and that's all like, and now we have UK versus the world airing simultaneously for the last like two months of the regular Drag Race season. I'm like, who, who has the time for any of this? It's not just UK versus the world. They just dropped another promo for season two of Spain. Oh, right? God. And like, 
Here's the thing, though. But, like, I, you see, I have the same reaction as you at the same time. I thought the first season of Spain was phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Favorite, totally. One phenomenal. of my favorite seasons of Drag Race. So it's not necessarily... And when I go to watch these things, I very much enjoy them. There just is so much to watch. Like, this season, this year on Drag Race, we're going to get... In 2022, at least what's announced so far, you have season 14, you have um, UK versus the world, you have this all winter season, which is coming. You have- uh, uh, alleged, Allegedly, that's coming. Allegedly, that's coming. And uh, allegedly, Drag Race Philippines season one is also coming too. And like, you're also getting like France, you're getting mm-hmm. Spain season two, you're getting you're getting UK season four, series four, whatever they say, they're yeah. bumpers and tea. Um, you're getting uh, at this point, like they're probably going to do a season three of of Holland or a season two of Italy. Yeah. Or, oh, and Drag Race to Australia is fi- it's actively filming right it's now, act- which yes. I think we're allowed to say. They're also doing season three of Thailand. So yeah. like, have, that is so much. And I'm actually watching season one of of Drag Race Thailand right now, even though uh-huh. I just said that I'm like done. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed with the franchise. Um, there just is so much now on one hand i'm overwhelmed as i'm tired miss yeah um on the other hand no one's making me watch all this like i am choosing to and i i also think it's good for like these other countries to have some sort of like queer presence on television in the same way that like drag race has become like go to a city name it and like go to the gay bar and probably talk drag race with some and like make friends that way it it is a common it is the common lexicon these days like it's god it's so annoying to say it's gay sports but like it kind of actually does feel like gay sports more than ever now and how mainstream it is and how like immediately you can just default to talking about it with people and it's like boom like there's a conversation though it kind of sucks that like at least in Chicago, the viewing parties have not really um, ramped back up again just due to Omicron. So, like, it's yet another season where it feels like half of the fun of it is watching in this community-based environment. And that's, at least here, like in, like, in L.A. the past two seasons, like, that was not really a thing. So, I mean, see- unless you do house parties, but seeing the Sasha Valor rose petal moment live on television surrounded mm-hmm. by like a gaggle of faggots was like one of my favorite moments of like was was, yeah. was uh, surreal it was surreal to see that because it felt like gay sports um yeah. there's just so much so much so much um it is so much how are you feeling about season 14 though so far i've enjoyed i mean they did another split premiere I've really enjoyed these two episodes so far. I I much more I much more enjoyed the first episode than the second episode. Um, Interesting, because for a few different reasons. Um, I I think when it comes to like what I like in a drag queen, mm-hmm. um, traditionally like Willow or Bosco is like more the type of like vibe that I that I go for yeah. every season, like the um, freaky alternative queens. Yes, like I was very much a like a Sasha fan a Evie fan like that's mm-hmm. kind of like a Crystal Method fan like that's a little like a little bit more my vibe in terms of what I look for um uh I I mean I think it's cornbread season to lose like she was she's just yeah she's in someone we have seen many a time host yeah. a drag show in LA and is Mag- completely magnetic like you knew she was going to kill it on the show and she's been well well I was thinking a week ago queen by queen great let's do that and talk about them because like i don't want to leave anyone behind i don't know why like i always i love all of them so much and i don't want to like give them short shrift so i was just going to go line by line through the entry we can talk about like entrance looks like general vibes like talent great. whatever we want to do so first queen that we see on rupaul's drag race season 14 is Alyssa hunter from puerto rico fuck me okay speak on that (laughs) what'd you say i i don't i i get it like very 
Kendall for my taste, but she, gorgeous, gorgeous boy. I'm not gorgeous, gorgeous boys. Gorgeous, gorgeous boys. <laughs> um, I'm not convinced she can do makeup well. Um, and I was confused by her. So I've been a little confused by her so far. I just want every, if you were a drag queen listening to this, I want you to know that the only makeup I've ever put on my face was after I got punched. Oh, by a homeless big disclaimer. I, I could I never punched, do this. Ne- I could never do any of this. Mm-mm. The only time I've ever used foundation was after I got punched in the face by a homeless man. And I had to learn, I had to go to Ulta the next day to learn how to <laughs> put, put, like you get the bruise out so I could do a pitch on Monday. Oh my God. Um, so that is my extent of what I know about makeup and so this is all coming from someone who cannot do any of these things um oh my god thank god for ulta they were were so helpful it was like it was it was like a movie it was like they were like did a full makeover it was great um i think Alyssa hunter i completely understood what the judges were saying um which is not something i usually say um her talent was not a talent no I mean, it was a lip sync. It was a lip sync. And a drag queen lip syncs for a living. That is fine. We saw a lot of really good lip syncs in the second premiere episode. Yeah. More or less. And I think that's one of the reasons why I liked the first episode a little bit more. More diverse. Um, Yeah. I think that, I like, again, like, lip syncs are, like, to me, the baseline in terms of, like, the job description. Um, So for Alyssa when they were like, I was confused by who she is. I agree, I agree with that. Cause she came in with like, I thought she looked good walking in with like Hunter hunted, like Alyssa Hunter. She looked like a hunter. Yeah. She is wearing like, looks kind of like very like elevated, um, uh, kind of like giving like forager, like yeah, forager woods vibes. Woman. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. I thought she looked good. She's the cutest boy in the world. Um, I just, and I thought her My Fair Lady look was good. I hated her makeup. Yes. I thought it was way too bright. It's way um, too bright. Like it creates this like, like kind of a dishy circle of foundation on her upper half of the body that like, it, it, it's not where the light should be hitting. Yeah, it's really, there's, a, there's an, it reminds, I forget that, I, there's another queen who did the same thing, it really bothered that, but it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I thought she should have been safe because of that look. The look was really good. Yeah, it was um, good. I wish it were not brown. And that is something that I am going to unfortunately have to say about a lot of these looks weirdly this week. Um, I don't think brown is a really good color for neither for television or for a drag queen. Like it just, it's not very telegenic. I, it has to be a different shade of brown than that. It like I, I think there was a it was it was like almost like a bright... it wasn't nude and it wasn't no, like a that's, chocolate I think that... brown. Yeah, it was it was just this weird like light in between shade that didn't really set it off. I am really happy that they have a Puerto Rican queen on again for the first time since I believe Cynthia. There's yes, since Cynthia, there has been like a ton of like of like weird rumors about why that is yeah um but i'm just happy that there is one that the that, that Alyssa's hunter, Alyssa hunter's here and she's wrapping puerto rico i think that's great to have more puerto rican queens yeah and they always like are so high octane like so polished like so good at what they do and i'm excited to like see that like the tradi- like puerto rico is such a rich tradition of drag and i'm excited to see it for new because this is a new generation of fans technically too like since Cynthia was on like I mean that was her first appearance was six years ago and like there are so many new like queer babies who are now for the first time watching like the Puerto Rican drag queen actually absolutely slay the house down boots I also think like this is gonna sound really silly and this is my political brain coming out um I think if you're I think Drag Race US should really look towards um, a few of the other territories that we have, like Guam, like um, US Virgin Islands, like um, like America Samoa. Yeah. Because there are places that people don't know are part of America um, in the same way that Puerto Rico is a part of America um, that I think should be high, that I think should be high, have bring rich queer traditions and should be highlighted by Drag Race. Yeah. Even just like, like even it's, I think it's really weird that 
Drag Race has not had a working queen from Hawaii on. That is weird. Either because Hawaii has a crazy cool drag scene, and like the Colby family, there. I mean, we'll get to Carrie in a little bit. Like they originally were based out of Hawaii, right? And they're like arguably the the most polished drag house in the country right now. So like, why are we just now having our first? Colby on you know why are we let's let's get more let's get like caramel let's get a bunch of other cool people on you know there's only been one drag queen from Connecticut ever on the show and, and who candy was Ho. it's candy Ho. candy Ho, Connecticut candy queen, <laughs> Greenwich queen Dalton Academy queen candy Ho. I think um, I think I think Bendela was born in Connecticut but yeah like candy Ho before she moved to wherever she did like was a Connecticut queen so that's what we got is that true? I thought you were joking. No, Candy Ho is like, so Candy Ho, like, I think started at bars in Connecticut. Oh I'm my not, God. I think, she, I think she moved to New York or something, but like was yeah. like technically for a while a Connecticut queen. That's crazy. I All love Star- that though. All Star 7, bring that All Candy Star- Ho. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next up we have Bosco, um, Seattle queen. Love her. Bosco is everything I want a drag queen. Like, yep. a, like a reverent, like um, bit like bitchy, but on the right. Like, okay, when we talk about like reads, I think Bosco is is that's the right edge of what you want in terms of like a read because she's very smart, she's very quick. It never seems mean, and I've watched a lot of interviews with her and like seen her perform a lot and talk a lot. It's never mean spirited, but it's always true. Yeah. And she's just so funny and quick. She's definitely that. a Seattle queen in that way. Like all of the Seattle girls are always so like quick on their feet, like funny, referential to like an older school of drag that I think is well done. Like I think her Bosco and Jasmine, both Jasmine Kennedy this season, both clearly have a very storied set of references from like the sixties and beyond that. Like we don't usually get younger Queens doing on the show. Um, But like, it's done so well here. Like all these looks were like burlesque Kevin to me, every single one I thought was great. I I really want, I really want Bosco to make it to snatch game. I think Bosco is going to go far. Um, is this like that's the just my instinct watch her go home next week um uh <laughs> so um but I think she's one to watch um I yeah. thought I thought the actual burlesque was a little like oh they- I'm not a burlesque guy usually like I can appreciate the art form but like mm, I don't know. but like I mean I thought like Ben did it best like to me oh of all, of all because the there was a lot more humor to it like I get that it's not always funny per se and I did think that like the rose in her butt crack at the end was like a nice touch but like the rest of it wasn't very funny she didn't so. um she didn't fall on her ass um, no like so certain certain queens we know um it was nice though I I'm excited to see her um go far I almost always love the Seattle girls except Robbie Turner um who Bobby we will Turner, never see ever again, probably. Bobby Turner's Cooper is one of the funny. I I think to me the, one of the most surreal like I think that and Tyra Sanchez um uh bomb thread at DragCon are two of the most like surreal out of Drag Race. Yeah. Minutes. You went to that one too, right? The bomb Drag Race one. I did. Dragon, I was supposed to have the bomb thread on. I have gone to Dragon. I have not did not go to that one. I also love Tyra Sanchez. Um, like on the season, I thought she was like who I was rooting for. Oh yeah. She's still like so you were talking earlier about and she doesn't go by sorry the rose petals. Yeah, sorry. And you were talking go. about seeing the rose petals live and stuff. Yeah. Like the night I watched that, or like when I watched that, like at Fault Line RIP. Um, she hosted and did the after show and it was the best live drag performance I've ever seen. Like just complete talent. Wish she had not. I did go to the, um, the bomb drag race one. Uh, Cause that was the, like the May 2018 LA one. And um, there, they were on high alert there. Not so, that it was going to happen, but. And, and she doesn't go. So I, I like, I think um, 
they go by like James, I think is their like their um their, yeah. like their so I think if James ever and I know that he quit drag. Um I do think if James ever wanted to go do drag again, I would be very in support. Like once like he's figured out some of the stuff, yeah, I'd be in support because like he's super talented. Very, very talented and one for a reason for sure. Okay, next up, cornbread, LA icon, legend. So cornbread, um, I cornbread was fantastic. Cornbread yeah. to me is everything you want out of a drag queen. Um, cornbread is funny. Cornbread is um, um, like emotive. Cornbread knows exactly who she is. Cornbread is quick. Cornbread is smart. Uh, I feel like I feel like Oprah describing Gail right now. Um, she's the sister I never had. She's you know, <laughs> um, no. I, she, she can just do it all like I mean it's the looks were great the fat or the like the fashion history stuff was great with like the Grace Jones on her runway and I usually hate those original tracks but hers was genuinely very funny her original track was funny her lip sync was good the Merle Ginsburg reference was hilarious very funny um, and it like it's because that was for super fans. The lip sync itself was for like the general fans to get, yeah. it was exactly what her brand was. Um, I think she should, I do think she should have had, I didn't think the um, the Grace Jones headpiece worked for her specifically. Oh. And I think I- It definitely needed I, a wig. It needed a wig. A volume I think for balance. And I, cause I, I, I think like, I just, um, cause they just did the UK versus the world um, promos mm -hmm. and Pangina Heels had a very similar head, like head. The like head cow piece kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was a little, like the volume, I think there worked a better than what Cornbread did. That being said, I, that's like the smallest bone to pick. I think it's like, as of now, and it's really early to say, but it is corn, feels like it's Cornbread. Yeah. Out, out of the 14 Queens we saw, she definitely, I think you can argue Angeria had a better all around showing, but like Cornbread's personality, I think just takes it a little over the top. You, a lot of the times the Queens who win Drag Race are not, they're very good at many different things, but there always is something about them that like is so, they know exactly who they are. Most of the Queens on that win Drag Race have a very good sense of their own brand and talents. And I think Cornbread to me, like came in here knowing exactly who she is in a way that was so refreshing. Yep. Absolutely. 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 Um, we need to take a quick break actually, but we will be right back with the rest of the Queens in a sec. Like what you heard? Come back tomorrow for part two.